0: Streams of So full of sin, I often stray, but yet in love he sought me, and on his shoulder, gentle. face me now.
1: Grace and peace to you, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, all the children, while the adults are out talking to the adults, (laughs) we can get settled, I I need to get settled myself anyway, so... So, as we get started, I want to take a moment uh, to just kind of have a, a, a powwow here before we get into the, the worship portion. Um, the, the goal of of what I, uh, as, as a pastor, I'm instructed with trying to lead and to guide us all into deeper understanding of Christ and of our relationship with God and people, and and to help us all grow. And so, um, with that, I'm always asked the question, what can we do to to deepen our understanding? What ways can we grow as a church in that? And so, um, one of the things that I've heard from multiple people as I've talked with them is that there's always this desire, this sense of having a sort of sacredness as we enter into this place. And, and so... In an effort to continue to help with that feeling of sacredness, we're, we're changing a few things. They're nothing major, um, but like the beginning countdown is no longer a countdown, but it's going to be uh, a, a hymn for reflection. Uh, the scriptures that we read, we're going to we're going to have them stand all on their own. Typically, what I've always had is where i read one scripture that's always mainly connected with the sermon, um, but I'm kind of deconnecting those two so that we can appreciate God's Word as God's Word and allow the message to be something that accompanies all of the worship service, not just one specific part of it. Uh, and you'll see how this plays out a little bit later, too. It, like I said, it's nothing big, but they're just little tweaks that I hope can help us continue to keep this idea of sacredness as we worship. And then uh, the other thing that I just want to mention is that at the end of service, um, I want us to try to allow room for those who want to stay more in a contemplative prayer state to do that. So when we leave, if we can do our best to always leave uh, in a quieter manner, I, you know, we're, we're not saints. We don't have to walk out, you know, like church mice and be super quiet, but to allow for that, um, for conversations to take place out in the narthex so that those who want to stay and linger uh, feel like they can. Uh, so just some things to, to consider, to think about. Like I said, it, it's just something that as we continue to ask that question of how can we create a space that is sacred, um, I'm trying to address some of those things and allow for that. Uh, so as we begin today... Let us do the call to worship, which is based on Psalms 138. We have come from different backgrounds on various roads to get here, but we are all here seeking an experience of the holy. Listen to the promise of God's steadfast love and God's faithfulness. We are listening for God's call in our lives. Let us pray this morning as we enter into worship. Holy One, Earth and Heaven reverberate with Your glory, and humans and angels alike sing Your praises. Open our minds to Your breathtaking work in the world, even as You call us to spread the good news of Jesus Christ, our Mentor and Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.
2: We're going to um, start our uh, worship off this morning with come as you are, and and just that that thought of we just come as we are this morning. Um, we <laughs> talked about in Sunday school with the kids that we don't need to be perfect, and, and God just wants us to, to do our best, and, and um, perfection is unreachable usually in most things that we do Um and so we just come as we are to church and, and as a family and, and just love each other for who we are. So join with me as we begin our songs this morning.
3: Come out of sadness, from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O sinner, come near Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal So lay down your burden
2: going to continue our worship this morning. I know, I know it's so hard to stop talking, but <laughs> eventually we do continue where we'll be here all day long. Um, so we're going to continue with Our God Saves.
3: In the name of God. in the name Son, in the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come, we are gathered together, to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grace, hear the joyful sound of our offering, as your saints bow
1: church leadership. We had a lot of great things. If you missed out, don't worry. We're going to kind of have a little recap here. Uh, probably by next week, we have a new Bolton board out there in the narthex as things have kind of shifted. In case you haven't noticed, there's been a few modifications. Um, but we're going to put the, the goals, the, the different things that we talked about that we want to achieve as a church, we're going to put those out there so that we can see them and be reminded of them week in and week out. Um, and one of the things was that uh, y'all said, create a list of ways that you can help. Here's a list with little descriptions. This will be up on that board. You can take a look at it, and if you say, oh, hey, I can do that, let me know, and we'll give you whatever you need, whether it's information, keys, or tools, or whatever. There's some stuff that some people already do, or have talked about doing, but if we can always break up the, the tasks, it makes it easier. For example, I have on here, like, mowing. Scott and Kay do a wonderful job, and I don't want them to feel like they are not good enough, but they also don't need to do it every single week during the summer. It's something that can help Take the load off from everyone. So so that's the kind of thing. So if you see something on here and say, hey, I already do that. What? Pastor doesn't? No, no, no. I'm just saying, look, we can all do things together, okay? So just, just don't shoot me for that. Um, <laughs> women's group will be meeting this week at 6 o'clock. And uh, then also we did have my two-year review uh, last, what, Monday was it? Uh, last Monday with Pastor Brad, Um, so Kay is going to come up and give a kind of update on all of that.
4: So we did go through um, Pastor's uh, review over the past two years, Um, and uh, normally after the uh, review, um, we extend... Well, because um, we have a small board, and um, Pastor Brad wanted that to be an honor from our church that we extend that offer in May when we, um, when we have our annual meeting and we vote on a full board. We, he's going to let that board do the honors of extending the offer for four more years for here at the church. It was very positive. Um, we are excited to have Pastor Ben here, and um, and so it's just going to be something that we're going to just have the church. He wanted instead of it coming right from the superintendent, he wanted it to come from the church family. So when we have our full board in place, and then we'll offer that. Okay.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Uh, basically. Uh, We need more members. Cough, cough to those who attend the membership class. Uh, And and then we can have a a more of a a whole, there is is no pressure, I didn't hear anything. Um, (laughs) But uh, as we we are able to grow, we can have more of a full board the way that we are supposed to so that decisions can be made as a collective and not just as a few. Um, So just to bear that in mind, and it was, a, it was a great time to be able to sit and to hear and to be able to share really what the church has been doing and how we have been growing through that. Um, as a reminder, for all those who consider this church a part of your family, there are ways in which you can give. And uh, One is the box in the back. You can also give through the mail or online at Almanaz, especially for those who are watching online. The first reading this morning... It's from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. And it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, Holy Holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voice the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with the live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I, here am I, send me. He said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Then I said, for how long, O Lord? And he answered, until the city is lie ruined and without inhabitants, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken." And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terabith and the oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. This is the word of the Lord, and together we say, thanks be to God. Join us as we continue singing with Blessed Assurance. It's hymn 442.
2: with
5: me as we sing. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. submission all is at rest I in my myself...
2: So 1 Corinthians um, chapter 15 starting in verse 1 Now brothers I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you which you received and on which you have taken your stand by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you otherwise you have believed in vain For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers at the same time. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I have persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God, That was with me. Whether then it was I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. This is the word of the Lord. Together we say, thanks be to God. Next song this morning is Above All. Um, And as always at this time, just uh, prepare, as we sing, just prepare your hearts and your minds for um, the rest of our service and the message and, and what um, God is trying to speak to you this morning, um, or you know, however that looks in in your life today. Um, so join with me as we continue our songs.
3: Above all. Above all nature.
1: text today is in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Feel free to turn there with me and it will be up on the screen as always. If you are able, I ask that you please do stand for the reading of God's word today. It says in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11... Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for there, from now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boat to shore, they left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord, and together we say, thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let us pray today. God of steadfast love and faithfulness, you have exalted your name and your word above everything. By the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to hear your word with understanding that in our speech and actions we may exalt your name above all things. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. A quick note, because, well, Luke, as much as I love Luke, uh, he loves writing to the Greeks, which means that he uses words that are unfamiliar to the rest of us, uh, such as the Lake of Gennesaret. I just want to put a quick note out there that that's the Lake of Galilee, okay? Uh, it's not some other weird thing. It's just the Greek term for what was the Lake of Galilee, so don't be thrown off by that. Uh, Luke just loves doing this. It's also why Peter is called Simon, and, and it's just it's a whole host of things. But uh, anyways, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It is a phrase that we are fairly familiar with. We have repeated it several times during the Eucharist. We we have sung those words as we have grown up in the church. At least some of us might have. Uh, we have we have heard it. We have read it. But do we understand it? Do we even know that there is a difference between saying that God is holy and God is holy, holy, holy? Oh sure, you're thinking, pastor's gone off his rocker now, he's trying to have semantics about saying God's holy versus God's holy, holy, holy. He's, he's losing his mind, what's going on? He's, he's not getting enough ventilation when he's staining the new wood, or something, like, no, no, it, I, I'm not, I promise you, I have not lost my mind. The, the only phrase that is used to describe God that is repeated multiple times within scripture is holy, holy, holy. That is the only adjective of God repeated multiple times in one chunk. It is called thrice holy, or trisagion, for those who are my Greek scholars and like to show off for their friends. This idea of thrice holy holds long-standing tradition in the church As one of the main reasons we believe in the Trinity, the fact that God is not just holy, but holy, 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 a set of three, three Trinity, it's this beautiful partnership. And it has also been a part of a prayer that is by its same name, thrice holy, that has been prayed by saints for ages. In it, you repeat three times, holy God, holy and mighty, holy and mortal one, have mercy upon us. And you repeat that, and you repeat that because you want to show this holiness to God. If it's not evident yet, we are speaking about the holiness of God and the revelation of such holiness and how we should respond to it. Uh, It should be fairly clear. God bless you. (laughs) During this season after the Epiphany, I've been working with this idea of holiness and, and a holy God. And the, the difficulty of it is that the holy God that we know has become known to us. To be in the dirt and the grime of humanity. To be counted as one of us. It, it is almost unfathomable to think of something so pure, so great, so mighty coming to be among us, the most messed up, twisted sort of bunch of people there ever was? How do we honor and worship a holy God who also chooses to be personal? Furthermore, what does that mean for our day-to-day life? How does it shape my response to this god how, how does it change my commitment to God? The, the very fact that it has to impact how I worship, how we worship the Lord, because of holiness. When we enter this place with the intentions to worship, there's an implication of what that means and how that looks. This building, and specifically this room, in and of itself, is not holy. It's a room. Bricks on the outside, drywall on the inside. Some lights, wires, and insulation, and and some carpet and wood and and speakers and lights. And but but that's that's what this room is. It is not holy. However, when we gather, when we read the Word, when we sing the church songs, when we pray prayers, and the Eucharist is celebrated, this place becomes holy. Because we are worshiping a holy, holy, holy God. And yet we are still unholy people. And that's what we must wrestle with today. The fact that we worship a holy God while yet being an unholy people. Both the, the Old Testament and And the gospel text today kind of provide this great example for this discussion as we look into the holiness of God. Yet before we get there, we need to make something clear. I need to make something clear because I made a statement that we are unholy people. And first off, I said to Amy, it's kind of funny that a holiness pastor, part of a holiness denomination is making the claim that we are unholy people kind of counterintuitive, right? Uh, And I want to clarify that. It's partially correct, but also a bit misleading. The Church of Nazarene follows the the theology of John Wesley, and, and part of that is the belief that people are created good. People are created with the imago Dei, the image of God which means that people are created good. Now, we inherit sin, that's original sin, from Adam and Eve, and we also do sin, which is our own personal sins, when we lie, cheat, steal, punch, swear, beat people up, and whatever else you can think of that you want to throw on that list. Uh, But we are created good, which is vastly different than being created evil or being even being created neutral, where we get to decide if we're going to be good or bad. We believe we have the image of God crafted into us. And so with that, we become to have this, this issue. When we sin, we become unholy. We destroy the image of God within us. And that's what makes us unholy, not that we are uh, somehow unholy from, from conception. And yet, even when we come to Christ, when we become Christians, and we are in the process of being made holy, it is still a growth process, and it does not reach completion, at least not yet. You can think of it somewhat like this. If you had an off-white object, say, say this piece of paper is off-white, or that one, too. You hold it up to another object, say this black book, oh yeah, this is white. But if you're to hold this off-white up to something that is pure white, it wouldn't look as white anymore, right? And the same is true for us. Even though we are being made holy, and we may have come miles from where we used to be, in comparison to God, we still find ourselves nowhere near the same. Nowhere near in comparison to who God is. And this is what we see in the passage from Isaiah. Both this and the gospel text are classified as what they call calling passages. It is where people are being called to a different life, being called to a mission, a purpose from God. Isaiah, being a prophet who is faithful in serving God, he has this vision of God entering the temple in Jerusalem, but just the hem of God's robe fills it. And it's so glorious that Isaiah proclaims, Woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, also take note that in that section, there's also the holy, 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 the thrice holy. See, it's, it's beautiful, right? It all comes in. But I want us to take a step back here and consider this picture for a moment. Isaiah was a holy man. He was a prophet long before this moment in his life. And he, he followed God. He, he committed his life to God. He was a holy person. He was an off-white person. But then he sees just the hem of God's robe fill the temple, and he falls down like a quivering mass of shame and guilt. Think about that—just the hem. Now, now I'm not—I'm not a sewer. Uh, some of you, a hem is typically what, like an inch of fabric, or less, less, less than an inch, three quarters of an inch, something like that. Imagine, just the hem filling God's Temple in Jerusalem. How massive is our God! How great that just just less than an inch fills this, and the, the temple is massive and like way bigger than our church building. Massive. And he sees this. And he is struck with just how great and holy God is. And then seeing that he he announces his unworthiness. And the, so the seraphs, the, the winged creatures that you know have six wings covering their feet and their eyes and flying around these odd things, they come and they cleanse Isaiah. They take a coal from the altar and touch his lips. Ouch by the way, I, I cook with charcoal and there's been times where when like, I go to dump it in from my, my uh, chimney that it, it, some fall on the ground and I've stepped on it, like it hurts. Charcoal is hot, right? So to think about just that image of like touching your lips, like my, my grandfather used to have a phrase, uh, don't put your lips on it. Uh, and I, I think of that, like don't put your lips on it. Like that would hurt. And that's the whole point. Whether or not this is an image, a a metaphor, or whether or not it was being factual, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that there's something meant to cleanse Isaiah. And think about how painful that must be. It wasn't like, oh yeah, we're going to rub some rubbing alcohol on it. We're putting a live coal on your lips to cleanse you. To burn away the impurities. Only after that painful act of being cleansed, then, does God call Isaiah to action. Hold on to that for a second, because like I said, we, we had two passages, both, that talk about Because then we go into the gospel passage, and we encounter the story of Jesus as he's calling his first disciples, Simon, Peter, one word, Simon, Peter, James, and John. Now it was typical for fishermen to fish at nighttime. It was better for them. The seas were sometimes much calmer and it was easier for them to see the fish. And and, and so they come in from a long night of fishing and catching zilch. Reminds us of something, right champ? Uh, and, and, And then Jesus appears and is teaching the crowds. And in order to get a little bit of distance because sometimes crowds are a little much, right? Some of us who don't like having our personal bubbles invaded, he says, hey, can I get on your boat? Because that creates a little bit of a distance between him and all the people. And so he gets on here, he does all his teaching, and then he says, okay, let's go back out and do some more fishing. And Simon Peter's like, um, no disrespect, but no. It's not the right time. It's not the And, and we're tired. We've done it all night long. But... There's a reverence, there's a respect for Jesus, for, for the teaching. Because uh, in this, actually, this isn't the first time Simon has encountered Jesus. Actually, it's, he's encountered him twice now. So he's, he knows that there's something different. So he says, okay, fine, whatever. Even though it doesn't make sense, even though Jesus is not the professional fisherman, Simon is, he does it, he obeys, and what do we have? Surprise, surprise, two boats so full of fish that it's starting to sink. If there's a reason to get wet when we were fishing, champ, I would rather it be because we had so many fish in it that the kayaks couldn't hold us up, not because we lose something and we fall over. Like, that, that would be the perfect thing. Like, oh my goodness, that would be awesome, so many fish. Like, it's in that moment that Simon realizes Who he is in the presence of. And he has the same response that Isaiah had with the vision. Go away from me, Lord. I'm I'm a sinful man. I am not worthy. Don't don't be around me. I don't deserve you. Now we're not sure on the holiness of Simon uh, because we don't get that background the same way as we did with Isaiah. The, the Chosen series, the, the video TV show series that's been doing it, actually plays Simon as to being kind of a, an off character who had a shady background, which, you know, is, is uh director's commentary. You know, like, it's, it's nothing that we can say yes or no to. But what we do get to see in that moment is that Simon, James, and John— They are present with the holy, holy, holy God. And even though they felt unworthy to be in the presence of Jesus, they are called not just to follow, but to join Jesus in the mission of collecting people for the kingdom of God. That is, of course, what Jesus meant when he used the word catch. He wasn't talking about like we need to grab fishing poles and put you know, like a, a nice, uh, like one of Canyon's smoked uh, brisket sandwiches on a fishing pole and try to catch people with it. He meant to, to grab people, to save them, to collect them, to keep them alive. And what's most amazing is that they actually drop everything. And they follow now, while I'd like to think that I would do the same thing, there is a selfish human part of me that says, yeah, but all that money that they had with the fish, like that, that's a huge haul. They could, they could have so much money and, and why would they give it all up? It's a lot. It is a lot. And yet it was necessary for them to surrender all, to give it all up, to follow Christ. These encounters with the thrice-holy God is not limited to just these few stories. The Bible is full of them. We have been, and we continue to be, and we will be having access to this holy, holy God that we serve within our own lives. The very reason any of us are sitting in here today is because we have encountered this holy God has drawn us here, made us see something more, So the question is not if we encounter, but what do we do when we encounter this holy God that we worship? And the first response that should always come from us is the proclamation of our unholiness in comparison. If we have an experience similar to Isaiah, or are we a witness to a miracle like Simon and do not fall down in a Quivering mass professing our unholiness. We need a reality check. We need to gauge what's going on in our lives because something is not right. Part of the problem that I believe that has led to this issue is the familiar, familiar familiarity. I'll get it. And humanization of God. Yes, God came in the flesh. But God still was not like us in our sinfulness. Jesus did not respond like we respond to situations, even though he was in the flesh. That makes a very stark difference. And so when we try to tame God, when we try to make God our buddy and pal, at the sacrifice of his holiness, we disrespect the thrice-holy God. And this reminds me of one of my most favorite quotes. It's from C.S. Lewis in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And it's when the children are talking to Mr. Beaver about Aslan. They have no clue who he is and they find out that he's a lion. And so here's a here's quote. <clears throat> Aslan is a lion. The lion. The great lion. Oh, said Susan. I thought he was a man. Is he Quite safe. I shall rather I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe? said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's a king, I tell you. The same is true with God. God is not safe. But God is holy. We should never consider God safe. God is all-powerful. God is marvelous. God is beyond our comprehension. But God is holy. And that's a beautiful thing. And we should never confuse the two when God calls us to approach the throne. So one of the ways the church has kept this distinction, this holiness of God is through the act of communal confession within the worship service. And this is not a personal telling of all of our sins. It's not all of us staying up and saying, yup, I lied to the grocery teller. I actually hid that, that pack of Kit Kats in my wallet. So that, you know, it, it's not that kind of personal confession of, of individual sins, but a general confession similar to that of Isaiah's where he declares that I am a man of unclean lips surrounded by people of unclean lips. It is, it is professing God... We as a church have neglected those who are in need. God, we as a church have been selfish in our desires. God, as a church, we have... And so it's these things that help keep a right perspective as we worship God. And while it's something that's not particularly done within our tradition... It is something that I think we'll experiment with a little bit during Lent because Lent is a season of confession and preparation. So it kind of fits. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll, we'll see how that comes. And yes, it will be a little uncomfortable. I'm going to prepare you. But confession is... Uh, do you think standing before the Holy God is comfortable? Again, we go back to that quote about God being saved. Uh, get comfort out of the equation here. Uh, but until then, I want us to think about this question. In the presence of the holy God, are we willing to be shown how unholy we are and face the painful reality that we are not nearly as good as we think so that we might be used by God? The two are critically connected to each other. It's not just that God likes using broken people. But it's that God, he desires to use broken people because they are aware of their unholiness and they are ready for something greater than what they can do themselves. It is in those moments when we understand how unholy we are that we are most willing to obey now, there is a joy to be found in all of this, not just dread or shame or guilt or anything else that you might be feeling in and the feelings that Isaiah and Simon had. Christ came in flesh to dwell among us, to call us, to save us, even though we are a bunch of unholy people. How amazing is that? That God should care. We could be condemned. We should be punished. We ought to be left for dead, but we are not. God, with every ounce of holiness, chose to do something miraculous and create a way for salvation and holiness for us. And so this leaves us with two challenges. Do we reflect God's holiness to others? And when we do, and when we do, Do we leave them only believing that they are worthless because of the holiness of God? Or do they see the hope for something so much more? Do they hear the call of Jesus as Simon did while he begged for Jesus to depart from him? There's so much more that we could sit here and ponder and talk about again because God's holiness is so beyond comprehension. Some of you may be stuck on just the sheer fact of God's holiness and left awestruck by the amazing greatness of God's hand filling the temple. Some of us may be reflecting on our lives and the the feeling of shame and guilt that is whelming up inside of us as we look at this holiness in comparison to our unholiness. And yet some of us may be trying to process a sense of relief in all of this. Regardless of where you fall today, my hope is that we all can accept the fact that it is because of this very holiness that God chose to dwell among us. As we continue to worship, our declaration today is a thrice holy God. Holy God, holy and mighty, holy and mortal one. Have mercy upon us. As we enter into prayer, I want us to remember those who are not with us today. Pastor Jessica is is not feeling well. We have, of course, John and Yvonne, who who getting out in the cold and driving the distance is is difficult for them. We have others in here who have uh, health needs. Uh, I have my surgery on my knee on March 8th. Mike has cataract surgery coming up, as well as his brother is having a surgery, and we're going to be praying over him here in just a second. We want to remember these needs, and we want to remember the fact that though we serve a holy God, and that should fill us with all paralyzing fear, we are also told because of the grace of God that we can approach the throne with boldness and confidence, to provide every prayer and petition. So let's not be afraid. they are physical, emotional, related to work or people. Help us, God. And as we continue to go throughout this week, may we realize just how holy you are. And help us in our response. O God, most high You meet us where we live, and invite us to be part of your purpose. All thanks and praise to you, for you hear our prayers for the church, the world, and all who live in it. On the day I called, you answered me. You increased my strength of soul. We pray for the church and for all who work to bring others a word of compassion. Because on the day I called, you answer me, you increase my strength of soul. We pray for peace among nations and peace among people. Because on the day I called, you answered me, you increase my strength of soul. We pray for those suffering from war or calamities of nature. Because on the day I called, you answered me. You increase my strength of soul. We pray for those who are oppressed and need courage to resist. Because on the day I called, you answered me. You increase my strength of soul. We pray for those who, because of illness or hardship, are paralyzed by fear. Because on the day I called, you answered me. You increase my strength of soul. God of majesty and glory, through Jesus Christ, you summon us into your compassion with all creation. Renew in us your call and release us from all fear that we may testify in words and deed to your steadfast love for all. For the sake of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. The sense of holiness Is no better picture than when we come to the table. When we think of Christ surrendering himself to death so that we might live. And so Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sins and seek to live in peace. Therefore, let us prepare our hearts to be God's sanctuary. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord, God of hosts. For all the earth is full of your glory. From your heavenly throne you touched the lips of your prophet Isaiah to remove his guilt, and you sent him to awaken your people. In the fullness of time, you sent your Son, proclaiming through his lips your promise of life, and through his death and resurrection, your forgiveness of sins. At his ascension, he sent forth his disciples in your name, trusting our good news to the lips of the Redeemer. And so we give our thanks and praise in the company of sinners becoming saints, joining God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. <coughs> Plenteous God, as you transformed fishermen into followers and filled empty nets with more than their boats could hold, show us your abundance by us by your Holy Spirit that we might be faithful followers sent into the world. in strength. By your same Spirit, make this bread and cup be for us the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, who at supper with his disciples took bread and gave you thanks and gave it to them saying, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of and after supper he took the cup and again he gave you thanks and gave it to his disciples saying drink this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Great is the mystery of me. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ God of holy presence. In your temple, what is ordinary is made holy. Before your throng of the throne of grace, make your children into prophets of peace and heralds of mercy. Bless every man and woman and every boy and girl with courage to follow where you call, trusting the depth of your purpose. Meet with your grace every soul rendered and outcast by the judgments of others. Restore the fallen as your faithful followers. Renew your church to seek you in your dwelling places among the Now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray together the Lord's prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf, and the bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. And the cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. And so when our hearts are ready, you may come and receive the elements be remiss if today we did not take the opportunity to sing the the hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. So sing with us. to put out into the deep water we are not alone we have partners in other boats beside us and Christ has gone before us let down your nets expecting God's abundant provision and may the Holy One fill you with awe may Christ the teacher amaze you with grace and may the Holy Spirit increase your strength of soul go in the grace of God God bless you.